0: I tell everybody everything that we're working on, not only to hold myself accountable when somebody asks whether or not we're still working on it, but it's all about the execution of it, is the hardest part. I'll tell you what we're working on, and if you want to try to do it before we do, good luck, but that's kind of the part of it.
1: Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners.
2: I'm your host, Chase Clymer.
1: And I'm your host, Annette Grant.
2: And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game.
1: If you're struggling to scale your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io connect to learn more.
2: And let's get on with the show. On today's episode of Honest Commerce, we welcome Tommy Stalnik. Tommy helps musicians distribute their music through Shopify, solving a very old problem. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. This one's going to be super fun because it is uh, blending uh, my previous life and my new life as a, I don't know, e-com expert, I guess. But yeah, today uh, we welcome to the show uh, someone I actually met at Shopify Unite and we finally are connecting on the podcast. Uh, so today I'm going to introduce uh, the founder of Single Music, Tommy Stalneck. But before we kind of get into what Single Music is, Tommy, do you want to give me a bit about your background?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so first off, thanks for having me. Yeah. So what we do? Well, actually, so my background kind of leads into what we do. So my where I came from is I went to Recording Industry College here in Nashville, Tennessee, and about ten years ago. And then when I left, I started working for an agency, uh, overseeing the. Well, I was an account manager at the beginning, working with like Charlie Daniels and Kenny Rogers and a lot of those people, a lot of like high level uh, country artists. And then I moved over to overseeing kind of music for the entire company. And one of the divisions for that agency was an e-com and uh, fulfillment division. So anytime that the guys would have issues with the e-com, they would be coming to me to try to find out solutions for that. So we had about 60 Shopify stores that were running on... Uh, that were going through that division of the company. And anytime they had issues, I was just said, look, this is ridiculous that this company can... or Shopify can be so big. And there's not a solution for this already. So we can't be the only ones having this. So I set out to basically make Shopify be compatible with the music industry."
2: And for anyone that isn't in the music industry, uh, let me just tell you right now that it's in the fucking past. There are so many weird things that are still handled by spreadsheets. I can remember on Thursdays, we would have to go and find a fax machine at like whatever... Terrible hotel we were staying at, like you know, a Holiday Inn or something. Uh, we had to find a fax machine and fax in our sound scans every week. So this kind of plays into what Tommy's doing over there at Single Music. So I guess first we should explain what a sound scan is.
0: Yeah. So like you said, a lot of the stuff that are... so Shopify has it being like a, a powerful platform as it is, the music industry is, as you know, super convoluted when it comes to certain things. And what SoundScan reporting is that's the data provider for the billboard charts. So they have scheduled times. It's basically every well, there's it's a little bit different for digital and physical albums, but basically you have to submit your sales to through SoundScan for in order for those sales to count on billboard. And prior to single, that was a manual process, just like you had described. So every week, artists would either have to manually put that stuff in or merchandisers would have to do it for their entire roster or labels. And so, what we did, and one of the main things that Single does is report all of your sales automatically. So, you can just start selling records, things like vinyl, whatever, digital, and we will make sure that they are counting onto the billboard charts.
2: Yeah, this is insanely like next level compared to what I remember doing back when we were touring. Uh, but back, I guess, when I was doing it, uh, it was right before uh, streaming came into the mix. It was right as iTunes was kind of in its heyday. Uh, but at the, I guess when you're selling merch back then, it was definitely more a cash-based thing. And now with technology, people are doing this. It's probably more credit cards uh, at at the merch table, uh, and tracking all that automatically is like t- so much further ahead than you know. We had like an Excel spreadsheet, and it was just super annoying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, music is just like most other industries where they're moving towards direct-to-consumer. And I think that's where Shopify has been able to, to champion and have their most growth is that most industries are realizing that, Hey, I don't need to go through an Amazon or somebody much larger who doesn't share the data and takes a portion of their sales. They can just create their own storefronts and own, all, they own the information. They own the data. They have the most uh, revenue from that. They're not sharing any of that revenue. So it ends up being way more lucrative. Them. And so you're seeing a ton of major artists and even independent artists starting to create their own home on the web, kind of getting back to how it used to be prior to even social networks, where you would direct drive traffic to your own uh, website. But now you can drive traffic to your own store. So, just, and it pretty much is the same. But like you said before, music is tend to be like five to 10 years behind the curve on most things. And they're just now catching up on the direct.
2: Side. Absolutely. So the cool thing to think about with music, modern music, modern bands is they are legitimately brands more than they are bands or musicians. They are building a brand. When it clicks on in their head that they have this established like community behind them as a musician or as an artist, and they can tap into that with, their, you know, to a, with a direct-to-consumer retail site, they're making so much more money. Nowadays, record labels even see that. So just in the the day of age now, uh, you make your money from merchandise and from touring. You don't really make it from CD sales anymore, Uh, especially now with streaming.
0: Yeah. I mean, you don't make as much money from recorded music in general. And you're completely right. I mean, when I was working for that old company, and I, I wasn't necessarily so much on the merchandising side, but I have enough experience in it. Uh, like the merchandising, I mean, is... like You go to the Food Fighters website, obviously, they're not coming up with the designs and stuff. They traditionally work with a merchandiser to, to find the designs and all that kind of stuff. So that was part of what my company did, or that, that old company. And when I would sit there with them, I would say, look, The main thing that you want to do is present yourself as a brand. So somebody would want to purchase the t-shirt or purchase whatever items from you as if they were standalone items, if they weren't a fan of yours. So you could have... Rather than just having your name emblazoned on a t-shirt, you could have a very cool design that even if I don't necessarily like the band or I've never even heard of them, I would still want to purchase that. When you see even more and more different major artists, good examples being like Drake, Drake doesn't really even sell much of merch branded as Drake. He sells everything as OVO, which is his clothing line. So he has two kind of separate businesses but they're obviously commingled in the sense that he's making money off merchandise as OVO, but OVO can sell merchandise without having his name on it so somebody can just go buy the little owl and all that kind of stuff and be seeing enormous gains doing it that way.
2: Yeah, I just think that musicians and in general, just have such a, the upper hand when it comes to content marketing because what they're producing is the top tier of content you could ever think of.
0: Yeah. I mean, the other part too is so, most brands have the disadvantage that they have to create the relationship with the consumer. And so, you want to sound hip and you want people to want to hear what you're saying. When it comes to entertainment and music, when you already have fans, they will they want to get your newsletter. They want to hear from you. They want to know. And they're way more open to hearing from the people that they already have a relationship with. And the music is the marketing piece for the rest of their their stuff. I mean, I I say that and I don't want to sound like I don't have any like a value for the music. I'm a, a massive music fan, obviously. But when it, just like you said, merchandising and touring being what they're making their actual money from, it's the music that got them the fans so they could tour or they can sell merch.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to play down the value of music in this. This is definitely just coming from like a business perspective. And this is how it is in the modern day with just how the music industry works. But uh, it's just, it's so cool to see how. Things are starting to tick into that modern direction. Um, So let's kind of talk a bit about the app again. I mean, like, who's using the app? You know what I mean? Is it just random people off the street? Like, who's? Yeah, can you say any artists that are using it?
0: Oh yeah, of course. Uh, So we work with um, T Pain, Foo Fighters, Thirty Seconds to Mars, Five Seconds of Summer, uh, independent labels like Smart Punk and Dynalone Records. We have about a thousand artists that run through the platform now. So, uh, and I would say predominantly it's the, the highest tier artists. And then the, it's probably about 60, 40. And then 40% of it being just independents that find us or don't have a solution for reporting their own sales. So, when I was starting the company, my path to market was to approach other merchandisers like so the one I was working for to say, hey, I, I know you guys are having these problems because we had those problems. And so, creating solutions for problems that we knew already existed makes it a lot easier when you're going to somebody to say, "Look, we're solving a problem. We're not trying to just like sell you on just like these newfangled ideas that sometimes you see in the music space." So, we're, we're a problem-solving company for sure.
1: Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24 7 sales and customer service on your e commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so, setup is quick and easy.
2: Simplers Network of on-demand, US-based Simplers specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts or minimums.
1: Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler Specialist.
2: Start your free seven day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S I M P L R.ai slash honest. So now that you've been kind of doing this for the last couple of years, what kind of trends are you seeing with some of these bands and how they're Kind of capitalizing on owning that direct to consumer relationship. Are there any trends that you see, or just like things that stand out?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, with the resurgence in vinyl, most people, if you're not in the industry, don't realize how much of a comeback vinyl is actually having. And it's, I think it it's a reaction to streaming. So people want to feel like they're supporting the artist directly. So and, and I think most people have just seen through general news reports the payments on how streaming doesn't necessarily pay as well and how independent artists can be struggling on that. But we see a ton of sales still existing for CDs even. I don't don't even have a CD CD player in my car. But people still buy it because they understand that that's directly supporting the artist. So we see a lot of uh, bundling of digital and physical together, bringing the concept of buying a t-shirt and here's a CD into the digital age. So buying a t-shirt gets like getting a digital copy of the record. A ton of that. Uh, and obviously those count on SoundScan as well, too. And then you can do... like Vinyl sales are still doing very well. Uh, CD sales, even cassette tapes are doing very well. But I think the biggest overall trend is, goes back to what you're saying about the brand side of things. As long as you have good design, and there's so many fantastic visual artists, and a lot of musicians are either visual artists themselves or have friends that are, and as long as they're creating good packaging and they're actually branding themselves very well, they tend to sell a lot better. I mean, not to—I'm not going to put name any names or anything like that. But we've worked with independent artists that have sold tons and tons of records, like five, seven thousand units, and hit number one on uh, genre-specific charts. And I've seen very, very large names that anybody on this podcast would recognize sell effectively nothing because the merchandise that they had just wasn't good. So they, they would end up kind of just putting something out there and expecting that they're going to sell because they have their name and people just don't buy it because it just looks like crap.
2: That's a fantastic point actually. I think that some businesses, not even just not even like musicians or bands or or anything like that, it's just some businesses in general think once they kind of make you get over that first hump, and they start to see those sales, or they start to see that traction. That they can just slap their name on any old thing, and it's going to sell. And that is so wrong. Uh, it's got to be curated. It's got to be what your audience wants. It's got to be cool. It's got to be hip. It's got to be sexy. You know what I mean? It it can't just it can't just be you know oh well here's ten things in a catalog we can throw our logo on let's let's do those that's that's a pathway
0: for ruin. Yeah, definitely, and I mean the other cool thing too is you're seeing a lot more creativity in what people are offering. Uh, we had like a, a little pump, Lil pump as a, a rapper, and he put out uh, chains on his website, and those chains sold a ton. So he had these custom made chains that were uh, silver, and when we put them up there, weren't necessarily expecting them to sell as well as the rest of the merch. And those, I think, he sold about seven thousand just individual chains.
2: That's wild, you know what I mean? Especially because the price point on that was probably more than like a T-shirt, which is probably what most people think about when they think about bands and and musicians. It's like, oh, they're just selling
0: T-shirts, right? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the easiest path for anybody that doesn't think about it creatively. We've I've seen people do like so even that old company that I I was working with, they would do things like making tea bags for a tour. Like the artist would sell tea on tour. And I've seen other ones where they come up with some of just the craziest stuff. And that sells well because they know who their audience is. And that was like an independent band that was kind of more in the sense of... They would assume that their fans were tea drinkers and that it was when they brought them out on tour, they sold them online, they sold them. And it's uh, just being creative and understanding who your audience is outside of just selling them a t-shirt.
2: Absolutely. I actually, uh, notably, recently, I know of a band. Uh, They're in the metal scene, and they sold hand axes with the release of their album.
0: Exactly. I mean that kind of thing, and it does really well. So I think that that's part of the the biggest thing is to set yourself up like outside as uh, differentiate yourself. There's just so much content and there's so much stuff that somebody can buy that. Showing something that's cool and trinkets and things that are unique are selling a lot better than just the basics that people are used to. Like, I don't necessarily buy band t-shirts anymore, but I'm really big on collecting uh, art prints, either from shows or online. Oh, yeah. Covered in art prints just because those are what I like to have. And I think it's cool to have visual art and they last longer for me than a t-shirt because I'll just destroy it. But it's uh yeah, I mean, there there's a ton of cool stuff that you
2: can sell. Absolutely. So let's kind of pivot a little bit here. Cause, you know, any listener of our podcast is like, hey, I've got an online store. I'm not a band. I'm not a musician. So like, how could we translate some of these efforts that are happening kind of in the music world over to just say like direct to consumer e-commerce? Like I, I definitely know there are parallels.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, so we put out something recently that we call Boost Links. And the idea behind that is to... So bundling of a digital album with a t-shirt is a fairly common practice. But there's things like bundling follows to playlists or subscribes on YouTube and that kind of thing. So when somebody purchases an item, uh, the person that purchases immediately gets delivered a, an email that has a link list set of whatever platforms that you want to promote. So that could be so brands doing a lot of their, their culture marketing is setting up things like playlists on Spotify. So you could be a makeup company that has a weekly playlist on Spotify that has different music that you feel relates to your brand. And you can funnel fans or your uh, customers to those playlists. And over time, if that playlist becomes big enough and has enough followers, you can monetize placement on that playlist. So not only can you promote yourself through music and marketing, but you can also create new revenue models through marketing that you might not have even thought of before. Other stuff too is like, if you obviously, since uh, gaming and uh, influencers are massive sellers on Shopify, you can have somebody that... Let's just say that they're a gamer and they're selling their they game jerseys and that kind of stuff. If somebody buys that, you can say, look, if this is my Twitch stream and my Discord stream and I'm on TikTok or whatever. And so a way to kind of expand your your other marketing through the sales that you're already making and saying, look, you might already be a fan of mine on Twitch, but you might not know that I have a Discord channel or you might not know that I'm a YouTuber or whatever. So you can kind of grow all of your different platforms around the people that are already kind of supporting you the most.
2: Absolutely. And just going back to the beginning there is something that I feel often overlooked with many brands like direct consumer brands is bundling a physical good with a digital deliverable that can do wonders for your business. You just got to think about kind of what your target audience is into uh and you know give them something cool. Uh I've seen it done with like uh ebooks. I've seen a ho- I've seen an interior design they they can they cultivated like beautiful pieces for your home and what came with your your products was like a uh, interior design ebook on how to design your home better.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's tons of, I mean, it's kind of the, it's content marketing as well, too. So a lot of people are saying how, like, obviously running blogs and becoming a kind of an authority in your space. If you can offer more content around that, then that's just more things that you can offer to differentiate your store and your value versus somebody else's.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, and it's just about, Thinking creatively, going back to those items, it's like, all right, you know what your audience wants. How can you creatively serve them? Uh, and the best thing about digital products is it doesn't cost you anymore to sell another one or give it away.
0: No, not at all. And that's the thing. And when you're talking about sending out an ebook or something like that, yeah, the cost is effectively uh, nothing. There's a little, we monetize on the music side of things because there's more into it to get it to go onto the charts. So we have to, to our software is a little bit more robust on that side of things, but there's tons of stuff that if you can, a good example would be my aunt. So she makes uh, like beaded uh, jewelry. So she makes beaded jewelry, but she also sells uh, the the template. So how you could do that yourself at home, like you get, they sell those as well. She sells them on her website too, also on Shopify. I built it for her. Uh, so, but what's something that she can do and uh, others can do is. Whenever she sells a bracelet, you could also include the, how you can make this exact bracelet that you just purchased from her at the same time. like This is the, the, the plans for making that exact bracelet. So if you wanted to try to do it yourself, you're just growing the community around what you're selling as an authority.
2: You know what? I think that's fantastic. Uh, I think people are oftentimes scared to give away their secret sauce. And it's like, hey, people are lazy. They, they af- often just want you to do it for them.
0: Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing where it's and whenever somebody has a great idea and they're starting a company, they always try to, to hold their secrets. I tell everybody everything that we're working on, not only to hold myself accountable for when somebody asks whether or not we're still working on it, but it's all about the execution of it is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what we're working on, and if you want to try to do it before we do, good luck. But it, that's kind of the part of it. Yeah,
2: I think that's uh, kind of a calling card for a young entrepreneur. Which I'm not knocking young entrepreneurs by any means. But often when young brands or young entrepreneurs reach out and they're like, Hey, I want to tell you about this idea, but you have to sign this NDA. It's like, nobody is going to be as passionate about what you're about to tell me or about what you want to do. Nobody's going to have the idea as flushed out as you do. And you know what I mean? It's it's not worth an NDA.
0: No, I did. I used to do that when I was started like back in 2015 when I was first coming up with the idea, I was doing exactly that. And then now I'm like, this is everything that we're working on. So you stay interested in what we're doing.
2: Absolutely. And especially when you're talking to smart people, they won't sign NDAs because technically, if they're in a similar space, i.e. e almost nothing's proprietary.
0: No. I mean, nothing that we... And that's the thing. We are very honest about what it is that we do here at Single. We're not creating something... Necessarily, all that flashy. I mean, it's much better of an experience both on the artist and on the fan. But we are solving problems that have just been around for a long time. We're just we're creating solutions that make their lives more easy, and it's kind of in a non sexy part of the the industry. We don't work on the blockchain. We don't work in streaming. Uh, we just solve problems that we know exist, and so. The biggest thing for us as an app developer is going to our agency partners and artists and just straight up saying, what What are we missing? What do you want to see? What would be beneficial to you to help you grow your store? Because for us, since we monetize on the music side, we don't take any portion of the physical merchandise. Shopify handles all of that. But when you're running a digital album, it behooves us to support you to get more sales because it benefits us as well. So we have a vested interest in the success of our artists to make sure that when they sell, so we in turn also make money ourselves.
2: Absolutely. Well, with that being said, I think we've kind of reached the end here. Is there anything else that you feel that uh, would be valuable to share with our audience here?
0: No. I mean, I think the biggest thing is if. If you're star- I have a plenty of experience in in e-commerce outside of just music alone. And I think the biggest thing is understanding that it is a business. And I think a lot of people try to get into e-commerce at the beginning, thinking that it's just this quick solution to start making a ton of money, not realizing that it is a full-time job. I mean, you're creating a business. So there's going to be tough times where it's not going to go as well, or your sales won't be that great. It happens to every business, but it's how you work through those, and then find the issues, and then find the solutions to those problems, so you can get to the next quarter, and then you'll have a better quarter, and then it kind of pick up some snowballs and ups and downs, but just to not get kind of burnt out on it, and understand that it's going to be a grind.
2: Hey Tommy, that's pretty much what honesty commerce is about, right? There is telling the truth, and you hit the nail on the head. Cool, man. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io. Please
1: make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.